Welcome to those of you who are just arriving. I'm Jennifer, and uh, we're going to spend our morning looking at the practice that goes back to the time of the Buddha of contemplating death, and our afternoon will be about caring for others around death and dying. Um, so, I want to start out with some thoughts about um, uh, the practice of death and dying, and then uh, we're going to do a couple of exercises, um, because it's very easy and natural to be intellectual about the idea of dying. Oh yes, I'm going to die. Oh, yeah, right. that's 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 over there, you know. Somebody asked uh, a wise person who understood a lot about human nature, what's the one thing you haven't figured out about people? And this wise person said, well, the fact that we see death around us all the time, and yet we think it won't happen to us. (laughs) This is what we do, you know. And um, we have a death-denying culture around us. If we were in India, we would see death every day. We would see people in the streets who were sick and dying. We would see uh, charnel grounds or places where people were being cremated. We would hear funerals pass in the streets. And in this culture, we don't even have hearses anymore. Have you noticed this? Funeral homes now use vans. You don't even see hearses so much anymore. So whenever I'm out and about and I see a white van with no, you know, like Scott's plumbing on the side, you know, it's just like an unmarked white van, I think, hmm, is that a funeral home and is there a a dead person being transported in that van, you know? A moving van, right, exactly. (laughs) And uh, death is more of a mystery to us, you know. um, And at the same time, medical technology has come along and created a profession and a place for death and dying that most of us are cut off from or not involved with. So we have uh, benefited from the technology in terms of living longer or living healthier as we age. And at the same time, we've lost some of our own involvement in caring for one another and remembering how natural it is to die or to care for somebody who's dying. So um, we can pay attention and and break through some of this denial by coming together and considering some ideas and doing some exercises. I could lecture the whole morning, um, but I don't think that would be much different than reading a book about death and dying. You know, and there's something about experiential learning that helps us get it, you know, here rather than here. So. Uh, the Buddha was once a prince as many of you know and um, his quest for awakening began because he learned something when he was an adult that shocked him Um, he was protected in the palace by his father from the world at large because his father had been told by a fortune teller your son will be a great man he will leave your kingdom and do great things And his father said, 
I want him to take care of the family business. I don't want him to go off into the world. So he protected him. So one day this prince um, either accidentally or um, secretly, devilishly, uh, got out beyond the palace and he saw for the first time as an adult somebody who was sick. And he was shocked. He'd never seen somebody sick. Um, And he thought, I didn't know that people got sick. And then he saw somebody who was old. He had never seen an old person. Somebody who was bent over and wrinkled on a cane, moving slowly. And he was double shocked. He said, what is this, old age? I had no idea. Because he had been protected from these realities. And then um, he saw somebody who had died. He saw a dead body. And he didn't know that people died. And he was shocked. He said, how could this be? What's this about? And these truths propelled him to leave the princely life and find out why these things exist and what to do about them. So, I think that's a pretty great story to realize that looking at old age and sickness and death are what propelled this prince to become the Buddha. Hi, welcome, come on in. Yeah. Um, and later on he taught that there are four guides on the spiritual path. And one of them is the teacher. You know, this is the the Dharma teacher, the wise figure, uh, Merlin, Yoda, uh, you know, these figures in our life. So that's one. And then the other one is old age. The third one is sickness. And the fourth one is death. So even if you haven't found the perfect teacher for your spiritual path, you are surrounded by old age, sickness, and death all the time. So we have these teachers with us all the time about what life is about and that can help us awaken. I've spent some time working as a chaplain and um, been around a lot of people who are sick and dying and um, I think the reason he said that about them being guides is that there are truths in old age and sickness and death that can wake us up um, and really puncture through our delusions. You know, so to to really live with a change in the body, you know, like uh, memory loss or fatigue or hot flashes or uh, crooked feet um, or adult onset of diabetes, all these things really become a day-to-day or moment-to-moment reminder. You know, more so than a little sign on the wall that says, we're of the nature to die. You know, these, the body becomes the teacher. You know. Have you noticed this? Okay, good. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Make sure I'm on target here. Yeah. And what we have found at um, Zen Hospice Project is there's a connection between learning this about ourselves and about life and our capacity to be present for it and then help others with it at the same time. Zen Hospice Project started at the San Francisco Zen Center 20 years ago as a natural, unplanned 
outgrowth from spiritual practice. So uh, the priests, the monks there for, from about 1975 to 85 were just doing spiritual practice. And their hearts grew. And finally they said, maybe we should look outside the monastery here and see if there's anybody that's sick and needs some care. And that's how our hospice started, was just literally going down the street, finding somebody who was homeless and sick and bringing them into the Zen Center. So it becomes a a really easy way to study these teachings about we're old and we're going to die. Uh, in caring for one another. I want to read you a quote. Um, So on his deathbed, the Buddha was surrounded by his followers. He was a popular guy. And um, they, of course, wanted him to say something to them as a goodbye. So there's probably a lot of things he could have said. He could have said, thanks for coming. You've been a great audience. I'll be here all week. No, I'm kidding. Um, He probably could have said something like, um, stick together or remember me um, or be careful, you know. Um, But what he said to them was, do not grieve. He asked them, do not be sad for me. Even if I were to live in the world for as long as a kalpa, and a kalpa is like forever, our coming together would have to end. You should know that all things in the world are impermanent. Coming together inevitably means parting. Do not be troubled, for this is the nature of life. Diligently practicing right effort, you must seek liberation immediately. Within the light of wisdom, destroy the darkness of ignorance. Nothing is secure. Everything in this life is precarious. Always wholeheartedly seek the way of liberation. All things are characterized by disappearance. And then I imagine somebody started to argue with him because here in the scripture it says, Stop now. Do not speak. (laughs) Don't, in other words, don't waste your time arguing with this fact, you know. Time is passing and I am about to cross over. This is my final teaching. We like to argue with this fact, you know, say, but wait, you know, are you sure? What about the afterlife, you know? And, um, the Buddha basically taught neither for or against God and ideas of heaven. Uh, he taught about not being too attached, to, so not too attached to God or too much rejection of God. You know? um, and he really just pointed to the fact that we can be awakened 
or at least happier or more at peace if we really investigate this truth that everything is changing and that our death is inevitable. Uh, Life is constantly opening and closing. Maybe you've noticed this. Things come and then they go. We think I'm like this and then I'm like that. And uh, through meditation practice and study of the Dharma, uh, we learn to have a calm mind and spirit with this opening and closing rather than learning skills to keep everything open all the time. You know, eventually, still things tend to slam shut. So um, I'm hoping through some exercises it will help you develop some of this uh, calmness or trust in the opening and closing that life is and its changeability, particularly around these fallible aging bodies that we have that don't last forever. And uh, before we do an exercise together, I want to take a moment also to acknowledge or wonder if you're already thinking about that you have a life-threatening illness that might have brought you here today, or someone in your life may be very close to death, or your children are telling you you better start making your funeral preparations, because it looks to me like you're getting old. Is the will done, right? What's my cut? Right. Should I buy this car? Right. Uh, is the, is the, and then um, you may already be thinking about somebody that's died recently or um, was close to you that you've already been through this journey with or maybe you didn't go through it that consciously but you're thinking of them. So when we come together to pay attention to old age sickness and death we also feel some sadness or some trepidation which is really natural. Uh, I actually got interested in hospice work in addition for spiritual practices in that I had a very close relationship with my grandmother and was young and unguided and I completely disregarded her dying process when she was old and I missed her death. You know, it just kind of went by me. You know, I had some regret about that and I've been working with that by doing this kind of work. A living amends, if you will. Yeah. So, um, I want to do an exercise with you now that I'll explain and then we'll do it. I'm going to have you get in small groups and give you a question to discuss and share with each other. And while that's happening, every once in a while you're going to hear a month of the year called out by me. And they will not be in order. When you hear the month that is the month you were born in, so like my birthday is July 23rd, if I heard July, Please leave your group, stand up and go, as if you have died and are leaving this community. Please don't say goodbye or draw it out. Just leave, okay? Um, And then I'm going to have you leave and come up here on the stage. And so we'll do the small groups down here so the stage is empty. And this will be as if you have died and gone maybe nowhere or somewhere, depending on your belief system. Okay. And for those of you that are remaining in the group, uh, 
please just continue, you know, and uh, see what that's like. So I'm going to call out every month randomly and eventually uh, we will all leave our groups and die and go over there and then we'll discuss it. Okay, so this is kind of a experiential analogy about what it's like to just be in life, engaging with people and then have somebody leave. Okay. And then engage in life, be with other people, then all of a sudden you're the one that leaves. Does that make sense? Okay. Now this presupposes that everybody knows the month they were born in. <laughs> Have you all got that? Okay, great. So um, why don't we do groups of five down here. And what you're going to discuss is what brought you here today. Why did you come to this workshop? It's Saturday, July 21st. You could have gone to the beach. You could have stayed at home gardening. You could have stayed in bed. But something got you up and you thought, oh, I'm going to go check this out. So what brought you here today? Okay, and this can be a discussion or you can take turns, however you want to run it. Okay, so let's have groups of five. And then you can leave your personal belongings up on the stage, but come on down here. Okay.